and welcome to the next episode of Myths and Stories, a podcast about destiny lore. Uh, we have been talking uh, the past several weeks about the history of the Awoken, and we're going to continue that. Uh, before we had done this, this particular set of recordings, uh, we had kind of broken it up into different parts. We kind of just covered Maracena, the, the whole book of Maracena by itself. Uh, we covered Julian, or not Julian, sorry, Aldrin's uh, escapades by themselves. And we're starting to weave those together to kind of create a complete timeline of the Awoken people from the moment that they started on the extra screen all the way until basically Witch Queen. We're going we're gonna to try to keep this story going to have a complete timeline here of the Awoken people. And last week, uh, we centered on some important named uh, Awoken. Like, most of the most of the Awoken story centers around Mara, because Mara is the creator of the Awoken. She is, at, at the heart, its queen. Like, that's... Mara is... is To be Awoken is to be Mara, and vice versa. Uh, and we last week, we talked... We kind of... We kind of left her path a little bit and started talking about some of the other important figures that are in Awoken society, uh, namely Shir Ido, Petra Venge, uh, and now Uldren, uh, the prince of, of the Awoken people, uh, Mara's own brother. And uh, last time we talked about him starting a journey into a forbidden place, uh, the Black Garden. Uh, which was, this was a place that we as players in Destiny 1 got to go visit. Uh, we can actually go visit it in Destiny 2 as well. Uh, in Destiny 2, it's called the Garden of Salvation. Uh, that's, the, that's the raid that's on the moon, uh, or the entrance is on the moon. Uh, but in D1, uh, there's another entrance to it on, the Mar- on Mars. And uh, that's how we got to it in D1. And that's how uh, Uldren and one of his very close friends, Jolien, uh, got... He, Managed to kind of rope him in, uh, <laughs> being the 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 hero of the of the story, needing somebody to to kind of tote his victories along with. Uh, so yeah, so last time we left off, they were they had broken broken past a uh, 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 gate lord who had had the entire might of the cabal army that was stationed on Mars and Meridian Bay kind of rain hellfire down on him. Uh, while they slid past and popped into uh, into a gateway that uh, led directly to the Black Garden, and so this week we're gonna we're gonna start with that. We're gonna start with what they saw and what their experiences were in the Black Garden. Yeah. So um, the the card we're going to be starting with tonight is going to be called In the Garden, uh, which is part of the book The Forsaken Prince, which came out with Forsaken. Surprise. Uh, and the the previous card had, as, as Zora said, had talked about they had um, kind of pitted these Cabal and this uh, Gate Lord against each other uh, unwittingly and had used that as a way to get through the gate to the to the garden which was being guarded. Um, and this card picks up immediately after they have arrived. And it goes like this. 
Aldrin and Julian huddle together, shivering beneath a canopy of white tongues. The rain pours down. Aldrin can't tell where it comes from exactly. Somewhere up in the green mist, but the rain falls and falls, and he and Julian turn their heads up to drink, here at the bottom of a chasm between two flower fields, where the garden's immaculate surface divides into tropical fetter. Everything grows here, Julian mutters. Look at your nails. Aldrin studies his hand. He has a dreadful image of his fingernails developing into tight, down-curved loops that curl around back into his fingers, completing a hideous circuit to their root. It's awful, and yet it's wonderful in a transgressive way, in a newborn screaming way. It speaks to him of new and secret things happening here. They're dirty, he says. But I trust you'll forgive me on that account. Rain's not letting up. Shall we move? I, Julian hauls himself up with a fistful of slithering vines. They try, try to coil around his wrist. Tiny teeth shaped like letters saw at his skin. He stares at them, starts to say something, and then jerks his arm away. Are you all right? For now... Julian mutters, for now. They move down the length of the chasm, green mist swirling overhead, ankle deep in a wet compost of flower petals and rich black soil. Wide, flat beetles with arcing horns wrestle in the earth. Aldrin flips one on its back. The beetle has no interior. Seen from below, it's just a hollow shell. Julian pulls up a fern, and its roots are the branching metallic threads of a circuit board. Tiny, squirming things shaped like wet microchips mill in the exposed soil. I don't like this place, Julian whispers. We should get back to the surface. He means the garden's surface. The manicured sectors of red flowers that stretch away towards a distant mesa but it's far too vex up there, Aldrin thinks. They've been in here, gardening, moving earth, making walls, building their ancient constructs of stone and light, trying to tame this place. It's life, he breathes. You're right, Joel. Everything grows here. He cannot let this place be killed. He cannot let it be looted and overthrown like everything else that doesn't fit into the narrow binary dogmas of the Traveler's undead warriors. Excitement seizes him, and he runs ahead, sloshing through the muck, laughing aloud. Aldrin, Julian shouts after him. What are you looking for? I don't know, he cries back. That's what's so incredible. I can't know. And that's the end of that card. So I, I definitely want to dive into a lot of the stuff here, but I want to take a second to kind of kind of go over what we as players know of the Black Garden. Um, in Destiny One, it was mentioned to us in kind of like a almost like a like a whisper from the Exo Stranger. We meet her on Vex, and she's like, "Go to the you know." She gives us a set of coordinates, Meridian Bay, Mars, 
go go there. You know, we we through a series of events we end up uh in there uh and we we fight she she tells us to to rip out its heart and and to fight it. Like the Black Garden is one of those places that I I don't even our ghost doesn't know where it is. When we when we first show up there our ghost is just like I have I know we're not on Mars anymore. And the fact that there's another entrance when we come to D2 as a player, there's another entrance on the moon that we can get through that gate and end up in the same black garden. So there's a few theories that that have that have kind of been thrown around uh the Destiny community as, as to what the black garden is. The first thought is this is the garden in which in which the gardener and the winnower played their flower game. Um, I'm going to ask you that myth. Do you think that this is that place? I do not. Um, I do not think this is and why is the that? garden? Uh, mostly because that garden, as told in the story of the garden and the winnower, from my interpretation, doesn't exist in this way um like the the it's more of like a metaphor right it's more of just a metaphor for whatever plane of existence the gardener and the winnower existed on before creating the the universe that we the player are now in um and it, it wasn't even if it was a a physical place it existed outside of this universe I uh, certainly things could have uh spilled in to our universe from that place uh as we you know as we talked about with the the light and dark itself as well as maybe some creatures um but i there i don't think the the black garden is the garden quote unquote okay so then in that case what is the Black Garden? That is a wonderful question. Uh, <laughs> so that's a hard one, right? Like that's it is. That's, I it is. I think of it as like is it is it the birthplace of the Vex? Is it is it a place where Vex worship? Because like when we go there in D one, we we see the Vex that we come across. They are they literally are like kneeling to the Black Heart. That's like this mumble jumble of black bubbly blue stuff. Um, and they're, they're like worshiping it. And I've, I've, I, I, I want to say there was, there was what the soul, soul praetoriate. And I, th- I think we talked about yeah, it a little bit in our, in our white soul dark divisive. Yeah. Divisive. Maybe that's what it was divisive. And we had this thought of like, you know, if, if Vex came in contact with quote unquote clarity being darkness, they now, they don't understand it. So it has changed them to want to worship it only because they've never like their Vex are so binary, but then like, what are they doing in the black garden in the first place? Why are they there? What's the purpose of the Vex in the black garden other than to worship the dark black heart? Like what, what the hell? Yeah. So we, we have a couple of pieces of information uh, about the black garden that we can try to form some theories with. Um, I say 
I, I think the reference that Aldrin makes actually in, and both Julian make in this particular entry is that this is a place where everything grows, um, which tells yeah. me, and like Aldrin says, this is a place of life. This is, this is not necessarily a desolate or, um, you know, dangerous perhaps, but everything is growing here and growing in strange one might argue paracausal ways, uh, given the right. beetles that are just empty shells, um, and these these plants that are have roots that are circuit boards, uh, those are definitely in the level of oddity that I think could be classified as like paracausal, um, or sure. stemming from something paracausal, uh. Now, is is the Black Garden possibly a simulation like the Infinite Forest? Certainly possible, uh, and that that's the other thing that is has been consistent about the Black Garden is we have only ever accessed it using a Vex gate. Correct. We've never been able to like travel there by starship or anything like that. Right. Every time we've gone there, we've had to use the Vex network to get there. Right, so okay. it seems to be very inherent. Either that tells me it's inherently Vex, and the Vex either created it or, um, I, I mean, that, that would be the most likely, I suppose. Uh, alternatively, it could be a different realm altogether, a, a different uh, plane of existence that the Vex happened to stumble upon and then claimed it as their own. Um, or, or, you know, cordoned it off in, in some fashion. Uh, I could see that. And I guess the, the main comparison point we would have there is we have the ascendant plane, which is very dark and abysmal and like lifeless in many cases. Um, oh shit. And this would be like the opposite end of the spectrum. Maybe. You know, it's a place where everything grows, whether it should or not, perhaps. Um, oh, so it, it could be, cool. be it could be the the opposite plane to the ascendant plane. That doesn't necessarily explain why we've only gotten there via the Vex, but we do know the Vex have traveled to other planes via, you know, Crota cutting them into to Oryx's throne world for a bit in the Books of Sorrow. Right. So hard to say definitively what it might be i i think i like that idea of it being the the planar opposite of the ascendant plane because then then it makes me think of like petra's i think it was petra during a season of the of the lost that made the analogy of like the coin the stack of coins right like we're we're possibly the coin in the middle and as we move Mm -hmm. through the coins one way we move towards the ascendant plane and as we move them the other way who knows what we move to i i like that idea i'm gonna i'm gonna say that that's that's hit yeah i yeah i like it that's headcanon now okay black black garden is the is the uh, polar opposite of the ascendant plane I mean, everything about light until and dark. Until proven otherwise, that's what I'm going yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, until proven otherwise. Uh, I mean, everything about <laughs> light and dark is that they are opposites. Uh, they yep. they cancel each other out. So if one is generating um, 
you know, some kind of plane of existence, it would make sense that the other is also generating some kind of plane of existence uh, that presumably is the opposite of the other. Uh, which, if this is the case, is maybe even more worrisome that the Vex seem to have taken it over. <laughs> yeah. Because does that mean that this is a place of light? Uh, well, is the Ascendant Plane necessarily a place of dark, though? I don't know if we could say it is. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, regardless, to to get us a little back on track here, um, there are a lot of theories that you could surmise about the garden. There is not enough evidence uh, to really say definitively what it is, but it is clearly a really weird place where very impossible things uh, are happening and are growing. And uh, in this particular card, Julian is responding normally, in my opinion, of like, holy crap, this is weird. This is scary. I want to get back to something that seems comfortable and slightly normal and maybe get out of here altogether. And Aldrin is kind of uh, uh, hypnotized by all of it. You know, he he sees all yeah. of these things happening, these these impossible things, these beetles uh, with no interior, um, these ferns with uh, circuit board roots. And he's like, oh, my God, everything here is amazing. Everything here is like nothing I have ever seen before. I I want to dive headfirst and see what I can find. Yeah, I it's it, I I love that uh, <laughs> I love that he's so he really is just so entranced with it too. Like I mean, he, does, he the first thing he says when he looks at his fingernails, like oh man, they're dirty. That sucks. <laughs> like not like the fact that they're growing back in on themselves. That's that's just freaky in its own right. But yeah, and then he just he just runs right. He just runs forward like i i don't know it's here i can't know it's so awesome um but yeah i i i really like that and that's another thing that uh going back to the fingernails for a moment um it's unclear if that's actually happening or if he's like having an, <laughs> a vision or an image of it happening but it's not really happening um because it says he has a dreadful image of his fingernails developing into down curled loops. Um, so this may be some of that, like garden is messing with both of their heads a little bit. Like they're seeing flashes of the, of this crazy growth happening on their bodies, but then they blink and it's, you know, normal again it is kind of the feeling yeah. I got from that passage, but it, it's not, you know, it's never clear. And Julian um, having vines that are like sawing into his skin with teeth and he just kind of looks at him and then jerks his arm away after, you know, a, a pause for whatever reason. So definitely some maybe hallucinogenic stuff going on here or just general weirdness with these two in, in the garden. Yeah. Don't don't drink the water. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh but so that that leads us into the next card of this book, um or the next chapter, which is titled On the Hunt. And this one 
goes like this. They track the last cabal soldier from the place of carnage, onward through the flower fields, following the dribble of black oil that escapes the wounded legionary's pressure tourniquet. Aldrin moves with cold, vicious anger. War here in the garden. Petty, detestable war. Brought into this place by some blundering cabal expedition. They deserved what they got. The garden must be left to tend itself, mustn't it? It must be allowed to evolve its secret fruits. The terrain dips. The red flowers fade away to low, woven grasses. The wind whispers soft words, sentences with just the beginnings of syntax, the cadence almost musical. Brainstain, Julian whispers, fearing infection by a contagious idea. We should, but his voice trails off as Aldrin pushes ahead, down into a low veil, slipping easily through the tangled undergrowth. Vex. There are vex here. Dozens of goblins and minotaurs, still as statues and covered in moss, in a ring like some robotic henge. They are singing in faint, wraith-like notes of inhuman clarity. Aldrin knows what this place must be. The Cabal legionary huddles behind a stone. Aldrin creeps forward. By the time the wounded bellowing thing knows he's there, he has a knife pressed to its helmet, right above the cleft of its lip and the soft tissues below. Don't move, he says in Ulurant. Don't speak. This knife is atom sharp. I can tell, the legionary grunts in its native tongue. It's right up in me eyes, practically shaving me bristles. Do you know where you are? Just about the worst place anyone's ever gone. You say that because you can't smell the air, Aldrin says. It's sweet, like pollen and thunder. Why did you come here? Not by any chance of our own, sir. Milk robots abducted us. The whispers have taken on a soft hint of a Laurent grammar confirming Aldrin's suspicion. This is a place where abstract patterns war for survival, fighting to propagate themselves by preying on each other. The Vex are singing to see how the garden changes their song, and even this conversation has fertilized the air. Why are they here? What do they want? They come here to pray, sir. They're making vessels out of them. They're the worst things ever to be. They ate existence. How do you know this? Oh, from the seeds, the legionary says. Do you see them? And without hesitation or second thought, he punches the emergency medic release on his helmet. The pressure seal breaks and a ring of black gel sprays out hissing. The legionary slumps over. His helmet tumbles into his broad lap. Beneath the layer of gel, the whole surface of his skull has the pitted texture of a strawberry. Thousands of tiny seeds glisten in the cabal's flesh. Aldrin brushes the skin in fascination. Aldrin, 
Julian radios. I really don't like the expression on your face. This place has secrets, the prince murmurs back. The bone mic feels cold and inorganic, poorly matted to his flesh compared to the warm, close-packed pits of the legionary's deformed skull. So many secrets. They grow in him, Julian. The garden grew its secrets in him. Who gives a rat? Julian snaps. Your Highness, we've got to get out of here before whatever happened to them happens to us too. He's afraid of secrets, Aldrin realizes. The unknown terrifies him, which is very sensible, very rational. The attitude of a good scout, a good soldier, a survivor. But Aldrin can't stop imagining how astonished Mara would be at this place. What if he could bring her here? What if they could explore this place together? And that's the end of that card. There are some definite freaky shit happening in this card. Um, like, especially towards the end there. But we'll, we'll start at the beginning <laughs> for this one. So they're, they're, they're tracking this, this, this cabal. Um, I'm, I'm assuming the last one of this whatever whatever expedition came through and we're fighting the Vex. Um, and so he's they're tracking him down. They they they, you know, get a hold of him. And and there there's an interesting thing that happens here. He says the wind whispers, soft words, sentences, just with just the beginnings of syntax, the cadence almost musical. And they talk about the Vex singing. I think I think of these whispers as like the whispers from the darkness, right? Like anytime you're near a darkness statue or something like that, there are these whispers about it. And we know that the Vex here are worshiping the the black heart, which I assume is from the darkness. So could would it be safe to assume that the darkness has infiltrated this place somehow and is slowly corrupting it? Well, it's, it's definitely there, um, it, whether it was intentional or otherwise, like the heart of the Black Garden is this glob of dark uh, in, some, right. in some way. Because it has that same temporal look to it like, uh, like um, uh, The Witness has. Yeah, uh, I think it definitely makes sense that these whispers are maybe are, are the same as what people hear from the pyramids or hear from, you know, the various different areas where we've, we've come into contact with the, uh, with the darkness. Um, what I wonder, because the Vex, I want to say the Vex are uncorruptible. I don't think that's true. Um, but the Vex do not process thought in the same way that other organic races do. And so I wonder if, sure. if the Vex in their attempt to understand it are just repeating what they hear and that's this singing or if, um, or if the darkness is actively using them as amplifiers of some sort. I, I like both of those ideas. My first thought is I like the singing idea because music there, there, there have been many instances where music has been able to been broken down into mathematics and it's it's all about different octaves and 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 whatnot. So, I I think 
music is understandable by the Vex, and the darkness can use that to help either, like what you're saying, either influence them directly or use them as amplifiers to play forth this this darkness lullaby, as it were. So that that got me thinking about something um, just now as you were saying that. Uh, you're absolutely correct. Music has a big tie to uh, the Vex with, you know, the oracles have their tones and whatnot. Oh, that's um, right. But also music has a, we have seen in game music have a direct effect on our ghost. And this was way back. I totally forgot about that. Way back uh, like D2 uh, vanilla. Um, there was a side quest yeah. on, I believe it was IO where, um, we find like a, a message left behind by Rasputin uh, yep. and the music that Rasputin used to leave that message actually like takes control of our ghost for a little bit to like deliver the message. Yeah, I remember those because that was like the precursor, the precursor to like the Warbind um, expansion. So that was like that was like those were like the little mini quest on IO letting us know that like Rasputin's coming back and like we're gonna go visit him and stuff like that. Like that was I remember those, yeah. So perhaps um clearly something about music, which if we really want to break it down, you know, is just waves. Is just sonic waves. Oh, uh, there you go. Something about the perhaps particular frequencies of those sonic waves have an effect on the frequency that it, that is the light or the dark or, or maybe certain portions of the light or the dark. I like it. And if we reference back to the idea with light and dark operating on frequencies, I, I think we're onto something here. Yeah. So I'm wondering then in the black garden, we've always assumed that the Vex have you know come across this this heart of the black garden in in whatever fashion and uh they worship it because they don't understand it and we have always been under the assumption that that worship is to the benefit of the darkness that they are doing whatever the darkness wants them to do um or at the, or at the very least defending this bit of dark that they have found uh Sure. You have to remember that this is D this is D one campaign, like the original D one campaign. <laughs> Things were not very well thought out at that point as far as what the darkness actually was. And yeah. They really uh, weren't. There was a lot <laughs> a lot of mixed ideas happening at the same time in that timeline. Was, those were dark times. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, this doesn't all fit as nicely into a little package here. But what if the Vex discovered because they were already musically inclined i discovered that music had an effect on this thing that they did not understand and what if they were using the music to contain it or to try and manipulate it in some way oh shit I've never thought of it as the vex being the aggressors here I, i had neither till now we've always thought of this as the vex being poisoned by it or or subdued by it or you know completely corrupted by it and now defending it and worshiping it 
But what if you're right? What if it is the Vex as the aggressors is trying to find some way for them to compute it into understanding it and just trapping it? Oh my god! All right. You theor you theorist, you. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I like if, that. I really like that idea. If the way we beat the witness is we convince the Vex to form a symphony, <laughs> I just point it at him. It's 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 only it's only going to happen if Danny Elfman starts doing the music for it. <laughs> because there's a certain movie that came out recently that Danny Elfman did the music for, and they absolutely had a musical battle in it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it was a certain sorcerer is fighting himself so yeah danny elfman get but, on so this there, there's that portion of things <laughs> there's that portion of things with with the the vex and the music and whatnot um I, I like that i really like that theory the the other thing they come upon this cabal um who i had completely forgotten the like written accent they gave these cabal is weird and fucked <laughs> up so forgive my terrible job i thought there. you were gonna do it too i uh, was i was waiting for like your great british accent oh, like no. i want to read one oh, of these no. lines just to try it like uh i, I can't tell is right up in me eyes practically shaving me bristles like that's what i <laughs> yeah no i really thought you were gonna go with it man i totally i totally forgot that, that was how it was written until i was halfway through it and i'm like <laughs> i'm just gonna stick with what I gravitated to, uh, <laughs> but uh, so Aldrin is um, yeah, interrogating. I guess this this cabal. Uh, oh, absolutely. And we learn the the language of the cabal is called Ularent, which interesting that that has never come up in any of the cabal focus seasons or anything Ever. before. Ever. Like you would think, this entire season of the the haunted, where we're going with Callus and Keitel and all that, that never once said Ularant. Um, there would be a some mention, but you know, whatever. Uh, oh well. But yeah, so he he speaks to this cabal, and um, the cabal tells him that the the Vex here are praying. They're making vessels of themselves. Uh, they're the worst things ever to be. They hate existence. Um, and so that might be, I don't know if that's the, if we go with our previous theory, that might be the Vex trying to siphon power out of the, the darkness blob into themselves, oh, sure. or it could be that sure. the darkness, uh, has control over them and is putting itself into them to then control them e either or, um, but regardless, the, the whole, like, they hate existence kind of works either way because the Vex are all about, you know, everything yeah. must be assimilated or destroyed. And the darkness is all about one thing must reign supreme. So it kind of is aligned in that fashion. Um, yeah, absolutely. And like this whole seeds thing, this whole pitted. Yeah. What the hell, man? That's That's a creepy visual is what that is. Uh, <laughs> that is super creepy. Like all of his skin is gone. I'm assuming because it says the whole surface of his skull has the right. pitted texture of a strawberry. Like, does that mean that the seeds were using him to talk? Well, he said that I uh, 
he knew all of this because of the seeds. Yeah, Aldrin, Aldrin asks him, like, how do you know this? And he says, oh, from the seeds. And then he promptly just pops his helmet off and kills himself, I presumably. Right. Because that's a pressure suit. That gel is what, like, is keeping him alive. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how, like, that's how Cabal survive it, is, is in those pressure suits. So he does that. And now there are all these, you know, pits in his head that were supposedly making Oof. him understand what was happening between the Vex and this, this darkness orb. Um, I just, I just had like a full body shiver where I felt like I just had bugs all over <laughs> me from that. That's just freaky. That's super freaky. And, uh, you know, Aldrin sees this place and goes, this is a place of secrets. This is a place where, there are secrets everywhere to be uncovered. And uh, whereas Julian's like, let's get the hell out. Uh, Aldrin is kind of like, I need to bring Mara here because this would, this would shock and awe yep. her. And that's what Aldrin's always looked for. He wants, he's always looked for something Mara has, hasn't predicted. You know, he's always wanted to surprise her in some way. And, uh, and he sees this place as, you know, the, this, this is where there are things that she would not, she would not already know. Uh, and so he's reluctant. He's reluctant to leave or, uh, and, or he wants to bring Mara here. Um, cause he thinks that's going to win him some favor. Right. Like what, who, who better to bring than the queen of secrets, right? Like that's, yep. I feel like that'd be the perfect person to bring to the, the garden of secrets. No, absolutely. So this brings us into um we we don't get we don't get any real good information about them leaving the garden. Uh we, we don't really see their their path or, or get described their path as they're leaving. Um it's just kind of like the next card they're out. The uh, the next card is entitled After the Heart, Part 1. And uh, this is Aldrin returning from his trip to the garden. And it goes like this. Mara, I picked you flowers. The queen's retinue parts before Aldrin astonished eyes flicker between his face his wounds and the potted flowers cupped in his hands some of them see a madman and reach for weapons before they remember this is aldrin sov prince of the awoken beneficiary of the queen's limitless indulgence asphodelia is its name he kneels and offers it to his sister it grew only in the Black Garden until today. We will plant it here in our dominion, where I know it will take root and flourish. It will remind the people of our twin heritage. For a terrible moment, Mara is unreadable. Then she smiles and beckons. Our brother has attained the Black Garden and returned to us. Come forward. She peels a single petal from the flower and lays it across her fingertip, holds it to the light. 
Magnificent. Evelyn, see to it. She passes it off. Aldrin swallows protest. He'd hoped she might plant it herself. Afterward, in private, she is silent and still, and he tells her everything he remembers. Did you see the heart? She asks softly. And that's where they end that little card. I'm curious in this one, and and I I don't know why I've always read it this way. I've always read it as like, Aldrin shows up as like, looks like he's insane. Like, looks like he's literally mm-hmm. lost his mind. Well, they don't know the it's him card. at first. They're like, who is this right? muddied, wounded, raggedy person strumming, you know, strolling into the the queen's presence and it takes him a second to go oh this this is the prince i think i think i think this is the beginning of him losing his mind like genuinely oh absolutely i i i know i know every time we talk about older we talk about you know he measures himself by what he survived but i i don't know that he truly survived this at least not mentally he did not come out of that garden whole uh there are definitely no. No, I don't pieces think so at all. of him that that were left behind. Uh, and actually, this is even referenced in the most current season and uh, the season of the Risen, um, where uh, the nightmare of Aldrin, I believe, during one of the missions, or it might have been just one of the dialogue bits you get after finishing the um, containment activity, um, says something along the lines of you know, you were never the same after the garden. Uh, so even, Oh yeah. Even crow through Aldrin's memories, uh, recognizes the fact that he was changed there in presumably not a good way. I mean, at least he has a flower. Yeah. At least he has a flower, you know, (laughs) uh, actually interesting point about this flower. So, um, the uh, asphodelia, uh, which I presume is being stemmed from asphodel, uh, is an immortal flower that was said to grow in the Elysian fields. Uh, and again, this is a Greek reference. Uh, Elysia being I was gu- I was going to ask being uh, <laughs> a a a level, I guess, for lack of a better term, of the Greek underworld um specifically elysia was kind of their version of the the good place to go after death uh it was where like the heroes went and the 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 people that proved themselves to be worthy of uh, a good afterlife went to elysia and asphodel was a flower from the elysian fields uh so interesting that uh, Aldrin would choose a name that would suggest he had returned from the underworld, from from hell, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's... Well, and I was going to ask, Elysia, for some reason, I'm... I'm... Is there something in the Dreaming City or something that that has that same like name? Maybe I'm thinking of Elusinia? Um, anyway, so there's, uh, what's the name of the garden in the dreaming city? Elysium? 
Let me look. I swear it's I swear Asilia, Asil- Gardens of Asilia is uh, a location That's what within it is. the Dreaming City. Um and then you also have the Aphelians Rest is one of the lost sectors. So it might it could have been either right. of those. Maybe maybe that's what I'm maybe those are what I'm thinking of. I don't know. All I know is that this Greek intern has had complete control over this uh <laughs> uh th- this story is what it is. Although I do wonder, um if you go to the, the Acelia Gardens in the Dreaming City, if you can find flowers there that are only there. And I wonder if that is would be the, the Asphodelia flower. I mean, we know that they plant trees for the fallen and there's a giant tree there. There is. It's one of the only places that trees are. Well, I guess there's some in, in the northern part. What is it? Ro- Rodalia? Ro- uh, Fudgy the whale. I am not remember any of these. Damn I, things I have tonight. not. I have not been over there in quite some time. Um, but yeah, the Dreaming City was several expansions ago, and we <laughs> haven't exactly revisited it. <laughs> not, not on a, a regular basis, but uh, but yeah. So I just found those those little tidbits uh, interesting, and it's also interesting here. Yeah, absolutely. That again, he he brings this prize. He brings this like, oh, this is this is from a place no one has ever been, no one has ever returned from. There's no way Mara has seen this before, and he brings her this flower very triumphantly, and you know names it after something that would be pulled from the 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 you know the afterlife, and says, I will plant it here in our dominion. It will take root. And it will remind the people of our twin heritage. And now that can be taken two ways. That can be taken as twin as in of the earth and of the, you know, distributary of humanity and of the awoken can also, he can also literally be meaning that we are twins. Uh, oh, sure. Sure. And to, to see him very, um, almost hand waved away when Mara is like, Oh yes, this wonderful <laughs> flower. Let's give this to Ilian. Ilian see that it is, see that it is planted. I, uh, and you know, again, kind of just the, like this thing you did doesn't really matter. Or it feels like to him, like it doesn't really matter. Um, does, doesn't even get the pat on the back for it. No, but she is very interested in the knowledge he has gained while in the garden. Uh, And we can see that in the next card here, which is titled After the Heart, Part 2. And this continues uh, from the, the last line of the previous card where Mara had asked, did you see the heart? So this one goes like this. The heart, Aldrin considers his sister's question. After a while, his memories become confused. He was running through a thorny grove, and the branches and prickles were tearing at his cheeks. Huge wet fruit slapped against his shoulders and detonated in overripe pulp. Fruit shaped like heavy, swollen ghosts. He was huddled with Julian beneath a thick cobweb, holding his breath, as they listened to voices argue just outside. His heartbeat 
Was it his heartbeat? Or another's? He was in an, in an apartment block. He remembers that. He was sitting in the laundry room, a place with a black and white checkered tile floor, watching his crows tumble over and over in the dryer, black feathers flurrying, beaks clacking. A big old female cabal sat in the tub to the, his left, scrubbing her back with a wire brush. A vexed goblin with the face of Alice Lee in its stomach stood behind the counter selling detergent. Aldrin, she said, you've got a hole in you. The cabal grunted in agreement. He looked down at himself, and there was a hole in his hand, black and perfectly round. His dryer ran out of time, but his crows were still wet. Aldrin, Mara, shaking him. She does not ordinarily touch anyone. Did you see the heart? It seems the most natural thing in the world that a garden should have a heart. The vex infest the place, he says. It gives them something they crave. It grows them towards what they want to be. You didn't answer the question, Mara says coolly. It's a perfectly sensible observation. It's the strangest thing Aldrin has ever heard her say. Whatever the heart of that place is, he says, pacing, it's a seed, I think, a seed left behind to grow like a, a node of glimmer or the idea strikes him as a thunderbolt or a tripwire bait to attract those who seek out and destroy that that they don't understand. Bait for guardians, bait to mark some milestone in the traveler's recovery. I told you never to go there, Mara says. Her eyes burn. She draws her cloak tight. Are you not devoted to me? Sister, he says, of course I am. Yet you defy me. Yes, Aldrin thinks. Yes, aren't those the same thing? How could you care at all for something that never surprises you? He feels suddenly utterly alone and that's where that card ends so i'm just gonna skip over those first two paragraphs <laughs> that's just fucking weird i honestly I do not have, I don't have any <laughs> any real explanation there um <laughs> I I still do not know. His dryer ran out of time, but his crows are still wet. Sucks to suck, I guess. Like I, I <laughs> what in the fuck? I really don't like, know. I, that to me just says that he just hallucinated his way out of the black garden. Like he doesn't he doesn't even know how he got out of the black garden. I don't think. Yeah. Like he genuinely has no fucking clue how he got back to where he was, and it's it's all just one big hallucinogenic nightmare dream travel space i don't know but uh yeah mara is very very adamant like did you see this did you see the heart and of course you know he's like well you know the vex they infest it she's like you didn't you didn't answer the question which from mara that line you didn't answer the question is 
I mean, we know that Mara likes she doesn't like spoken word, right? Because she thinks of it as a as an as a bad way to a, a bad encryption way and of of communicating. And so for her to directly just say you didn't answer the question, it's for Uldren thinking it's the strangest thing he's ever heard her say. It really is. Like, I mean, from anyone, if anyone had heard her say that, they would have been like, this isn't, you know, something in this place is truly drawing Mara's attention. And she wants to know about it. And she wants to know if anyone has has interacted with it. And say, if you go all the way back to our very first episode uh, of of the this Awoken series, um, it is stated that Mara and Aldrin never give each other direct answers to their to each other's questions. Like that, that's right. just not how they communicate. They never give straight answers. Like all the way back from the beginning, like like from from basically the the moment they were were able to speak to each other. Yep, that's how they've always communicated is indirect answers. And so you're right. Like for this to be such a direct thing, for it, it for any awoken, like they might brush it off, but like for Aldrin, this is like a really weird, like a genuinely like what the fuck is happening here moment. So yeah, say so it. I think. It's interesting the ideas that that Aldrin kind of comes up with here as to what the the Black Garden yeah. could be or what the heart of the garden could be, um, and this bit, I he said it gives them something they crave. It grows them towards what they want to be. I am that. I think that is correct ish. I uh, and I think. Aldrin absolutely saw it and it got it got its tendrils in him <laughs> in in some way. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I I like that line it grows them towards they want to be. To me that that speaks towards like the 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 sword logic, right? Like the 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 final shape, the the last thing in existence. Yeah. Uh and in Aldrin's case, it grows him towards uh, wanting to be, you know, noticed by his sister. Um, yeah, you know, the it's it it's gonna perhaps drive him even more so and become more desperate for her attention. Uh, and and we see even at the end of this card, she's like, "You are devoted to me, yet you defy me." And he's in his mind, he's saying, "Yeah." how on earth would I interest you if I didn't subvert your expectations? Uh, which is a, a dangerous path for him to go down as we discover. <laughs> right. That's what, that's what I was thinking too. But I do like that. He, even he's trying to trying to understand like what this black heart is. Cause that's, that's the two things that have always been constant with the black guard is the black heart itself. And this mesa, like they they even talk about the mesa in here. Like, what is? Have we ever been to this mesa? Or, or I know we've seen pictures of it in like the Black Garden um, glyphs in the Vow Disciple raid. But like, what what is this mesa that they that they reference? Um, I interpreted the mesa just to be the stretches of like 
just the the stretches of of plain or grass essentially that you can see on the quote unquote top of the garden um kind of like okay when when you're if you're i'm trying to think of when people may have experienced it uh outside of d1 and, and maybe there hasn't been a scenario um but where you can look I don't think there has. I... down over the garden you, you might be able to see this in um in a uh, garden of salvation now that i think of it but where you get high enough that you look down over the garden and it essentially just looks like a bunch of cubes of uh with grass growing on top of the oh, cubes oh sure and then these these crevices has like, has like crevices running between them yeah and I, I think maybe the tops of those cubes are the mesas quote unquote um okay but if it's not that i'm i'm not sure what they're referencing it's just it's just weird that they reference this this mesa in in throughout these lore entries describing the garden and then i don't know why it just popped in my head the picture that is called that we call black garden in the raid literally ha- it's a mesa it's a and and it's yeah. just we all just every, for whatever reason every guardian just like oh yeah that's that's the black garden that's the mesa like what <laughs> <laughs> yeah which for some reason now my brain is connected to it being Black Mesa, and now I'm like that is a very maybe different Black thing. Mesa. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, but that's a very different thing. The cake is the cake is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I I find it I find two of these uh, theories that Aldrin comes up with kind of interesting to think about. So um, he says one. The heart is a seed, uh, is a seed left behind to grow, um, seeming to indicate that, like, I don't know what would grow out of it. You know, knowing what we know now about the darkness and the witness and whatnot, I don't I don't know what that what that would have eventually become. Um, well, the the one thing we can think of it is it is definitely something foreign to the garden. Yes, if, I think that's if he's saying it true. was left there. If it looks like it was left, there. so if we go with our idea of that being the the black heart being a an infiltration of the darkness, I I think that lines up pretty well. Yeah, no that that would that would certainly hold water, um, especially if the the black garden itself it, that plane of existence is a kind of light mirror of the ascendant plane. Um, yeah. Just trying to spread its influence across other planes of existence. Um, Any anything the darkness can do to get to to the ultimate goal, right? To right to to reap the 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 garden to to get it back to the state that it's supposed to be at. That's I I I think that that's that to me is the most the the most telling thing in this entry is that it it is a foreign entity that has been left behind in this area. Which again, that's where my ideas of this this could be the plane of light that would be the opposite of the 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 ascendant plane where it's kind of all death and dark and rocks and nothingness and this is life and growth and everything and there's a seed that's not quite the same thing as everything around it, but the vex are somehow either aggressing towards it or being possessed by it. You know, I I like I like both theories there honestly. I I really like the the looking at the vex looking at it from the side of the vex being the aggressor towards this thing of like get out of our garden like stop being here this is our place to which then that makes me think that the vex are like light 
Like, <laughs> you know, are are the are the Vex uh, investors there too? I uh, say I don't. I don't think the Vex are are either uh, of of light or dark, and that that's kind of their whole thing is that they they don't know. They, oh, they can't yeah. simulate what those paracausal powers do because they themselves are causal. Uh, it's very possible that they stumbled upon that plane and are infesting it or, or, you know, are using it or or probably just trying to assimilate it like everything else. Um, sure. But they themselves, yeah, I don't think are inherently, you know, one or the other. Um, yeah. The, uh, the other thing though, the the first idea is a seed. Yeah. The first idea is a seed. The, the other theory uh, knowing what we know now, I think is incorrect. So he says, or it's a tripwire bait to attract those who seek out and destroy what they don't understand. Bait for guardians, bait to mark a milestone in the traveler's recovery. The reason why I think this is wrong is because of what we learned in Witch Queen. And that was that Savathun okay. tricked the witness into thinking the traveler had been destroyed. And that's why anything of humanity survived the collapse at all. And so if that's okay, the case... Okay, expand on that. So the, the, it, we're told during Witch Queen, I believe from Savathun's Worm, uh, at the end yep. of the Parasite quest, uh, that part of the reason why the collapse ended and, and there were survivors of the collapse in general was because Savathun betrayed the witness during the time where they were invading the soul system and made it appear as if the witness had won. Like that there was, there wasn't anything left right. to do. They had been that successful. It was dead. Yep. Cause there, cause realistically there was no reason for the collapse to end. Like once the right. collapse started, the darkness was winning the collapse and there was no reason for it to stop until it had finished doing what it was supposed to do. So the fact that there are humans and awoken and exos and ghost even or Rasputin, like the fact that there is anything in the soul system is kind of a miracle. And we now know that be- that is because of Sabbath Thune. Yes. And if they had believed that they had been a hundred percent successful why would there be a need to leave behind some kind of trap uh, or something that would mark a milestone of the traveler's recovery? If you thought you had already vanquished your foes, Um, you know, presumably the witness didn't know that the traveler uh, was even a threat until the end of the D2 vanilla campaign where it it's light, you know, spread out across the universe and we saw the pyramid ship start to actually like spin up again. Um, yep. Cause they're presumably, they were just sitting out in deep space. Yeah. Dormant. Like, but the, but to have light wash over them now it's like, okay, there's our, there's our prime enemy from billions of years ago. Let's go hunt it down. Yeah. So it just doesn't make sense to me that they would leave something behind to act as a trap for something that they didn't think was alive anymore. So sure. that's why I'm, I'm thinking that particular bit is false. 
Well, then if, if we go off of that idea, then, then that first line of thinking seems more logical then. For it to be a, a seed left behind to, to corrupt or, or do something. Because mm-hmm. if the entrance to we, – we know of two entry points to the Black Garden, one being uh, uh, on the moon and the other being on Mars, right? Both of those are in Soul System. I, I would think that the Vex would have other ways to get to it because the Vex network presumably yeah. spans the entire – area that the vex have ever covered that they just have these gates just basically sitting anywhere because i mean we've gone to them uh, in d1 we went to them on on uh, venus you know like there were vex gates on venus they were uh obviously there was the entire uh garden or not garden uh infinite forest on mercury so i mean there are gates everywhere but if these if the darkness if if the winnower had stumbled across one of these gates and gone inside and said, oh, hey, look, here's the plane of existence of light. I know I can't fully take on this place 1v1. Maybe I'll leave something behind to kind of get something infest, in some type of infestation going. Let it fester. Let it grow. Because, again, these are two presumably immortal beings, the light and the dark, the, the winnower and the gardener. Um, and time is nothing to them. Like they can wait it out for as long as they want. And this could be like, like that one little, you know, uh, what would it be? Like a, like, like, like just a little, like a little computer virus almost just sitting it, sitting in the corner of, of this garden and just slowly working its way, slowly working its, its magic into the things that are in the garden, into the, you know, slowly working its way into the Vex to, that are then who are who are basically cultivating the garden with the with their Vex-like stuff. Um, so yeah, I I I think that I think that the Black Heart is a is a seed left behind by the darkness to corrupt the place, to corrupt the plane of light, until proven otherwise. That's that's what I'm going with. I think that's a it's a pretty solid theory to act on for the time being, at least. Um, yeah. And it would make a lot of sense for the, uh, exo stranger then to specifically tell us, seek out the Vex and kill the heart. Uh, right. Find the black garden, rip out its heart. Yeah. Perhaps the stranger has seen what happens if that heart is left to corrupt and, uh, you know, have its way with what's in the garden to fest for fester for billions of years. Yeah. I like that. I like that theory. Till proven otherwise, that's what I'm going with. Yep, I I like that one. Uh, but so it doesn't end there. Uh, say uh, we we learn of Aldrin coming back and his interactions with Mara. Uh, but Aldrin wasn't the only one that went to the garden. Uh, Jolian went along with him, and uh, he also returned from the garden. And uh, there's a couple interactions between uh, Aldrin and Julian that are very telling about something not being quite right uh, with Aldrin. If you hadn't noticed already by this point, I mean, he had a he had a <laughs> goblin with Alice Lee's face in it, the stomach, telling him that his his hole in his hand. Yeah, 
Yeah. No, Aldrin's def. Something's definitely wrong with Aldrin. Yeah, and actually, um, the one thing that I I do think we can pull from that whole weird apartment block <laughs> trip uh, is that that statement of "You've got a hole in you" is just a, a way of him recognizing he's missing pieces of himself at this point. Uh, oh yeah, sure. Yeah, I think that sure. is is almost I, I literal. Like that analogy. Uh, in the like, yeah. you are not whole anymore. You are not complete anymore. Um, yep, I like that. But so this takes us to the next chapter uh, and the final chapter of the Forsaken Prince book, um, which is titled Julian. And it gives us a little peek at uh, how these two are feeling post garden. Uh, and it goes like this. When he sees Julian in the arsenal, the realization of his own sheer, unbelievable, inconsiderate, disgraceful boorishness makes Aldrin gasp aloud in horror. Hey, he calls roughly. He's not sure how to apologize. He hasn't spoken to Julian since they returned from the garden. He didn't commend Julian to the queen or throw him a feat for his bravery, or even ask him if he was sleeping all right after everything. He forgot about him. Hey, Julian says, not looking up. You weren't at the range yesterday. Oh, you don't even need a spotter, Aldrin says, trying to tease him, but it comes off as flat and dismissive. I've been, uh, dreaming recording his dreams, poring feverishly through the origin libraries, searching for confirmation of what his heart wants so desperately to be true. The future of the Awoken could lie in that garden. There is a wellspring of light on earth, a blinding beacon that will only grow brighter. The Awoken will not survive, not as they are. Mara's vision and the truth of their origins will be lost, diluted by the anodyne philosophy of those city-born ideologies. The Guardians will kill everything they find. What if the Garden is the Traveler's antithesis? What if the Awoken can find in that Garden a new place of balance, an equal potential between the darkness and the light? As the light brightens, the shadows deepen. Julian is saying something. Sorry. Aldrin grunts, fussing with his revolver. What was that? I said we should talk about what happened in there. Yes, he realizes now how afraid he was that Julian wouldn't see the significance of the place. Revulsion and fear, yes, natural responses, but he must see past them. Yes, we've got to record all of our observations before they fade. I should have asked you sooner. Aldrin, I don't want anyone to know what we saw. Oh, this kindles a little bonfire of warmth in his gut. Of course, no one else has to know. Our shared secrets, hmm? I wish I didn't remember what I saw, Julian says, fumbling his rifle's firing pin. It hits the floor like a dull chime and rolls under the bench. He doesn't go after it. And I don't keep secrets. 
Aldrin thinks about this for a moment. The profound truth of it hits him like a cold wind. You don't, do you? Julian knows exactly where he was born, to what lineage. His capabilities as a marksman are public record. As one of Aldrin's crows, he flies dangerous surveillance missions, but he is not a covert operative. Aldrin knows everything about him. You going to be on the range tomorrow? Julian asks, too casually. Thought we might shoot a few magazines. Not tomorrow, Aldrin says. I have work to do. He's already trying to imagine how Mara would react if he tries to turn the oracle engine on the garden. The things he might learn. The things she will surely want to know. And that ends that lore card. Poor, poor Julian. He just... He, he's, he's definitely... Ch- like, Aldrin's gone mad. Like, he's just lost his freaking mind. But Jolian, he's just, he's just lost. He's just, he's just dead inside, it feels like. He just, he doesn't want anybody to know what they've seen. He doesn't want to talk about it. He's, this is a straight up PTSD. Oh, yeah. No, he he's 100% this, just trying to like shut it away, pretend it didn't happen. Yep. This is, this is, this is PTSD if I've ever seen it. This is, this is. Wow, to have PTSD in a video game. That's damn Bungie. That's 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 rough. That's deep. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> uh yeah, no. Like Aldrin's all about like, you know, let's we need to record this before all the all the things fade. We need to we need to know everything. And Julian's just like no. No, we don't. Nobody needs to hear, hear about this. Nobody needs to see it. We don't need to keep a secret about this. This needs to just go away full stop and so yeah Aldrin's just kind of like all right well I guess I'll see you later so it it's it's kind of sad to see how close they were before the blackguard and to see him now the two of them very much grown apart I mean like oh yeah Aldrin barely even notices that he that Julian's there like that's 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 that to me is like the sad part of the whole thing like yeah. yeah. I mean they they were they were very buddy buddy in the the very first readings of this book um in our the end of our previous Absolutely. episode like they they were best friends you know they were shooting the shit together and 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 very very casual very comfortable with each other. Um and Aldrin now has this this obsession with the garden. He has convinced himself yep. that the garden holds some secret that's going to is going to make the awoken people survive is going to be that last piece that his sister is missing to fulfill her mission. Um, and I, there's, there's a particular point in this card where Aldrin becomes dismissive of Julian. You know, he, he had forgotten about him in, in his, uh, in his original return. He, he mentions that he felt really bad about like, oh man, I didn't even go talk to him after we got back. Like I was too wrapped up with my own things. And so he seeks Julian out or he, he sees him and, and seeks out a conversation and he wants, he wants to, he wants this to be a shared secret between them. He wants to be like, yeah, we can, we can talk about it amongst ourselves. We can figure this out. 
And Julian tells him, Aldrin, I don't keep secrets. And Aldrin realizes, seemingly for the first time, that he know that Aldrin knows everything about Julian. Julian is an open book. Everything he has done is public record. He doesn't do covert ops. His abilities are known. He's not he's not holding any cards to his chest. He is honest and does not keep anything to himself. And that is like the opposite of Mara, who Aldrin is been obsessive yeah. over. And he almost sees addicted to. Right. And and the the feel I get is that he almost sees Julian now as like a solved puzzle. Like he loses yeah. interest because there's nothing for him yeah. to try and figure out anymore. How shitty is that, right? Like that's Oh, it is. It absolutely I mean, I is. get it like <laughs> like it's 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 a shitty thing, right? Like it, that's shitty of Aldrin, but at the same time it's like I get it like Aldrin's very much addicted to that that secret, that mystery that you know, how do I surprise my sister? How do I keep the surprises going? And it, yeah, no, that's a, that's a, that's, yeah, that's kind of sad. That makes me sad for both of them now. Like, I know. Sad for Aldrin for being a shitty friend and sad for Julian for losing a close friend that has now become a shitty friend. So maybe, and, and now sad for Julian who now has PTSD of, of the Black Garden. Like, I right. Don't, yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. Uh, and it, it's, I, I don't know if Aldrin would have had the same reaction to this kind of revelation prior to the garden. My, my gut is probably not. Um, but the, I don't think the so. garden has just fed his, his obsession, his need to find a secret that Mara doesn't know so that he can be her hero, not just a hero to the people. Yep. Whatever, whatever hallucinogen, or or, because that's what I that's what I truly think it is. Whatever, whatever thing that was in there that caused him to hallucinate into whatever he saw in there, you know, cabals and bathtubs and <laughs> crows and dryers and shit, uh, has truly like infested his mind. I I think I think he at this point in time he's infested like that cabal was. Yes, I, I think so too. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And so we, we get to see, um, so that, that as, uh, as I said before, that, that is not the end of the um, Forsaken Prince book. That's just the end of what we're going to be reading for the moment. We're going to pick up on that uh, later down the line in, in our series. Uh, but there is a particular item that gives us a glimpse to julian's internal thoughts either during this exchange or one um shortly after uh where we can kind of see what's going on in his head a little bit and what his interpretation of aldrin is from you know the outside looking in uh and that is on the hold fast cloak um from season of the arrivals and uh this is a uh um just a, a little card on the the armor piece here but it's super interesting um so i'm gonna read that real quick um that one goes like this aldrin julian till gently prompt his old his oldest friend 
the normally sharp awoken prince had drifted off again. Aldrin snapped back to reality with a shake of his head. Is that... Yes, uh, wind 17 kilometers per hour from your 6 o'clock. One degree off, spin north. Aldrin squinted down range as if peering into the sun. Julian frowned. The sun was behind them. This was the first time he and Aldrin had been to the range since their return from the Black Garden, and Julian was shocked by how hollowed out his friend looked. Julian couldn't quite put his finger on what had changed, but there was definitely something new in Aldrin's eyes. Something terribly familiar. Sending it, Julian pulled the trigger and missed by 30 meters. That's how far the calculations had shifted during his moment of hesitation. Julian grimaced. Nice shot, Aldrin muttered. You always were the best. Julian didn't even bother to hide his concern. It was clear that Aldrin was also plagued by the nightmares. The nocturnal visions Julian dared not mention aloud. The grotesque, beating heart, mangled by Vex technology, slimy with overripe pulp, thorny wires reaching outward. The wet, mechanical thump of the dark, beating heart. The thick, beating heart. Julian snapped, too. He had been drifting. He looked up to find the awoken prince squinting down at him, as if trying to spot something in the distance, something barely visible and receding further by the day. So that's the end of that card, but I do want to also mention the flavor text for the Holdfast Cloak uh, just states, Never let them see you break. He, he he absolutely has PTSD. That poor guy. And and for what? Like like what what did they get out of it? You know, like what a a handful of of flowers and and Aldrin losing his mind thinking that this place is going to save the awoken people like Uh-huh. Poor guys. Poor poor guys. I know. Well, that's the end of the of of kind of the interaction with Jolien for now at least um but in the previous entry at the very end uh Aldrin mentions something he 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 says let's see if I can find it again find the exact wording so that way I don't screw this up <laughs> <laughs> he says in in his in his own mind um He's already trying to imagine how Mara would react if he tries to turn the Oracle engine on the guard. So the Oracle engine is something that we haven't talked about yet. We haven't. Uh, and I think uh, we'll, we'll, we will talk about that. We'll do the reading of that, plus a little explanation of where you can find said Oracle engine in-game currently. Um, and that will probably be yeah. where we... we uh, wrap it up tonight and there's a couple of shout outs I want to do and one in particular that I think is going to require a little bit of time to discuss um, okay so getting into the Oracle engine so the the Oracle engine in game right now exists in the Dreaming City um, you can get there by uh, you know transmatting in uh, to the Dreaming City and um, 
anyone that hasn't played the Forsaken campaign, which I, I, I guess you can't anymore. Um, I was trying to say, I think it's been taken out of the game now. Yeah. Might not be familiar with this, this route, but uh, from the transmap point, you go um, essentially like straight. It, it will be the northernmost exit on the, the map of the Dreaming City. And you kind of follow that around and you hop over a gap and you continue following it. And there'll be this big courtyard where enemies spawn. And then this, this tower uh, opposite the courtyard. And uh, in the tower is this giant uh, sphere, essentially, with many, many rings around it. Um, kind of like different, almost, almost looking at like a planetarium with different orbits being shown yeah um and that is that's what i think yeah that that is the oracle engine uh the oracle engine during the forsaken campaign is used for a couple different things um it's used primarily as a communication device uh petra uses it to communicate with with mara after some events that we'll talk about in a later episode probably the next episode um as well as a transportation device where, uh, and I think you can still do this in the game, um, if you get a Oracle offering from one of Petra's weekly bounties, you can take it to the engine and once every three weeks, uh, in the engine will open a portal and you can actually go to a throne room where for a period of time Mara was, was at uh, during the the forsaken expansion um so presumably mara's throne world uh there's things to talk about there (laughs) all right we'll leave we'll leave those on the shelves for now yeah i there's there's a discussion to be had there but uh the the oracle engine appears to do a lot of things um it like i said communication transportation um and as we will see uh, or as we saw from uh, Aldrin's little thought there, uh, also some kind of information gathering. Um, you know, apparently you can make a query to it of some sort and try and get information back, or, or as he said, point it at the garden. So um, there, there's definitely a lot of uses going on. And if you think of the name, Oracle, typically you know, was a, a being that would predict the future uh, or predict events, you know, outside of what they should know about. Uh, and the Oracle engine, though, is not of awoken design, per se. Um, the Oracle engine actually came about from a different entity. And we get to hear about its creation in the chapter... Uh, entitled Oracle within the book of the Dreaming City. And that one goes like this. There came a morning when the Techians spoke in unison, though none were ever near each other, and they said, Who are you who builds a hidden city here in our thoughts? And Mara alone in the Queen's Walk of the Dreaming City heard their voices ring out as if each witch stood beside her, and she said to the empty air, I am Mara Sov, 
Who are you? The answer came at once. Wrong. It is the Ekapersopic. Yeah. We are the nothing space fabric. Hearing this, Mara recognized a riddle. She turned at once and left the queen's walk so that Riven would not be inspired. As she walked, she thought. At length, she said, Wrong. You are the ancients. You are the idea that gives fate its shape. That one voice came again as clear and strong as the birth of the universe, booming with dispassionate curiosity. It thinks itself wise. How did something like it attain such revelation? Mara lengthened her stride, taking the steps three at a time so that she could duck into a little-used transport gate. She emerged in a small coastal observatory, then nothing more than a grand dormitory, and found Keldawaj, the all-teacher, hovering four feet off the ground. Blood poured from her ears and nostrils. Her eyes saw nothing. The other Techians were transfixed thusly in a geometric array around the dreaming city, each one inert, suspended, bleeding. Mastering her horror, Mara said, I have lived alongside you. And because she was afraid for Kelda, she asked, Do you intend violence? At once, the Techians collapsed to the ground like marionettes from severed strings. All but Kelda Waj, whose augment blazed with the cursicating light. She rose higher into the air and began to unravel particle by particle. As she became undone, she said, Now it insults us. Mara steeled herself against the horrific sight of her old friend's ruin. She had been a fool to think the riddling was over. She said, Of course, violence, after all, is a matter of perspective. What I mean is what would you ask of me? Beloved, wise Keldawaj burst apart and then collapsed all at once into a singularity that burned and burned and burned but destroyed nothing around it. From her unthroat came the voice again, which Mara felt in the atomic marrow of her bones, and it said, What would it ask of us? For fifteen days and fifteen nights, the singularity burned unshielded. On the sixteenth day, they began construction of the oracle engine, which took the singularity of the all-teacher as its seed heart. And that's the end of that card. Well, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Well, here's the burning question. Who the fuck is talking to Mara? So my interpretation of this and and what uh, I have seen is the interpretation of many others is that... uh, these are the nine that are speaking through the Techians and speaking through Keldawaj. Um, and for a 
for a <laughs> as brief as you can put it, <laughs> what are the nine or who are the nine? So the briefest way, I think, to explain the nine is that the nine are the consciousness of the main celestial bodies in the soul system. Don't worry, guys. Everyone listening, keep those, keep that idea in your mind for a future episode for when we cover the nine in full. <laughs> <laughs> because it's a lot deeper than oh, that. There, there is so much more to it, but um, yeah. But we'll keep we'll, we'll we'll keep it at that. We'll keep it as the they the I like that that interpretation. They are the the spirits of the the conscious spirit of the planets of the soul system, yeah. and they are not happy that Mara has carved out a little pocket dimension. I don't know if that's quite quite the the right word she has carved out i was gonna say what do we what do we call the dreaming city because it doesn't exist in a different dimension um right we can fly to it like it's still there i think she may have literally created a place that did not exist before though um which might be why the nine are a little perturbed because pissed she has (laughs) she has created something that did not exist before and the nine, oh, specifically in the soul specifically system. Specifically in the soul system, and the nine, gotcha. are what have existed since the beginning of time in the soul system. Yeah, and now they're looking at this pretentious queen, like, who the fuck are you? What are you doing here, creating your own place? Right. Yeah. Right. They're like, the heck's this upstart coming in and just making planets and shit? Like, no, get out of here. <laughs> That's that's not how that shit works. When a mommy planet and a daddy planet <laughs> love each other very much. So the nine are pissed at, at Mara. Nine are pissed and um she's kind of playing this game of riddles with them a little bit. And uh they they pull this power play of like, you know, don't don't insult us because we can literally crush your friends into black holes. Um yeah. and they do. Uh I mean, Mara's worried this whole time. She lengthens her stride, taking it three steps at a time. She knows that they're doing something. Oh, yeah. Uh, She might not know who they are at this point, but she knows that something has taken control of her Techians and is able to speak through them telepathically to her. And that's a big deal. Uh, And so, you know, she finds them. Uh, Unfortunately, Kaldawaj, who... Uh, up until this point, you know, the all teacher, she, she was the head of, uh, the, the Techians, I believe like her, and she's been around since the distributary of like gathering knowledge and teaching others. And like, this is a big figurehead and a lot of knowledge to just blink out into a black hole. Uh, right. But somewhat poetically, this person of vast knowledge and teaching turns into this black hole, which then powers the Oracle engine, which as we discussed before, seems to be a tool for either communicating or transport or learning things in some fashion. Uh, So this teacher has become a device 
of learning and, and connection, um, which, you know, while not ideal is, you know, still kind of fulfilling a similar function. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say so. I'd say it is. I mean, and, and I guess who else, who better else, but Keldawat. It all, it also seems that like all these other Techians might've died as well. Yeah. It's hard to say. Um, I mean, the fact that they're all bleeding from all their orifices yeah. is kind of the the only the <laughs> only thing that makes me think maybe they didn't is just because that would have been the death of all the Techians at the time. I, I think, um, right? And clearly, they they were still around um, during the Taken War, which will be our next episode. Uh, so maybe some survived, or maybe they survived and they were just injured, or who knows? But. It's still freaky that some entity just talked through uh-huh. all of them <laughs> tomorrow all at once, and and for Mara to recognize it as like, oh fuck, I need to get to <laughs> Kelda, <laughs> and to like race there, and then poof, now she's there and she's just bleeding from every hole, and then just gets unmade atom by atom right in front of her. Like that's yeah, and and so then they build this this engine around it. So that's that's what the Oracle engine is is a. It's Keldawaj. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> it's Keldawaj. It's a black hole at the center of it. Yeah. Still trying to do her job, I guess. Yeah. But uh, so that that is where well, I guess, we're going to end the lore yeah. readings for tonight. Um, say we're. Who are we starting a bonus episode? I uh, I mean I don't know about bonus episode, but there's a couple things that that I um. I want to go over uh, shout out wise. There's a few shout outs I want to do. And like I said, one of them in particular posed a, a very interesting theory that I, I think, uh, although I responded to it, I, I want to talk out here a little bit too. Um, so say to start, uh, our, our first shout out for the evening um, comes to us from Twitter uh, person uh, by the username of BT just says keep it coming gets me through my nine to five anything i could do to make a work day go by a little quicker is uh yeah. is good in my book because i i need those just as much as everyone else some days so i'm glad to hear me do that me too <laughs> miss miss will kill me for that comment later yeah. <laughs> because for those of you that don't know i am a stay-at-home dad so <laughs> I don't exactly have a nine to five. I just no. You you just have a twenty four seven is what you have. I play video games and build models <laughs> <laughs> and get yelled at most of the time for interrupting my wife's meeting. Oh, uh, but so the the other shout out that I wanted to do here, um, is uh, another one from Twitter. Uh, it comes to us from user uh, decaffeinated T Rex, which excellent name. Decaffeinated T Rex. Yep. I'd hate to see a caffeinated T Rex. <laughs> well, and it's spelled T as in T E A, Rex. So like, ah, uh, it's clever. But it's uh, clever. Decaffeinated T Rex. Yeah. I like so it. he poses a question. Um, I assume he, based on the profile picture, uh, poses a question. It says if arc speed is the opposite of stasis slow would void pull be the opposite of psionic push and solar 
life be the opposite of poison, death. Talking about ideas for future subclasses. Uh, and this this is a loaded <laughs> question. <laughs> this, is, this is why I wanted to have a little bit of time for for this one. Um, okay. So the yeah, as I said, I already responded to this via Twitter, but you can only do so much with the you know character limit you're given. 100, 140 characters or less. That's what we all live our uh, lives yeah, by now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I I I like the idea here. Uh, because I, I, and I think many others have always kind of associated stasis as being the opposite of solar, mostly just by, cause like freezy, freezy right. fire, fire and ice stuff. being opposites kind of thing. Um, but the interpretation of it being the opposite of arc. And we know that, um, from a gameplay mechanic standpoint, arc has been said to be the more mobility focused subclass and stasis is very much the uh you know crowd control like stopping people from moving i I think that comparison does make a lot of sense that those two might be the opposites well and you've had thoughts of stasis as well uh that you that you personally have had that i know you and i've talked about about stasis not necessarily because they 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 describe stasis as like cosmic ice not necessarily being ice directly and and we talked about it being like the removal of empathy right entropy like the, the in, in, yeah. entropy not entropy <laughs> no, re- removal entropy. of empathy is just most of twitter so <laughs> oh 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 <laughs> it's only sad because it's true <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, the, the removal of entropy, uh, that being like, uh, time, uh, or, the, or not necessarily time itself, but the, what the effects of that time have on a given, uh, space or item. So I, I don't know. I, I guess I've never looked at it as the opposite of movement. Yeah. And I, I hadn't either, um, so in in our original uh, light and dark episodes, uh, we kind of theorized that the light subclasses were um, built around the ideas of the fundamental forces of the universe, which are um, electromagnetic, uh, being arc, um, gravitational, being void, and uh, nuclear, both weak and strong, being solar. Um, and yep. I, I'm... St- I still feel like those fit really well. Uh, but we also know that when light meets dark, they're supposed to cancel each other out. And it's harder to find something that cancels out those forces uh, from from a you know thematic oh. perspective. Like, uh, like what would cancel out electromagnetic magnetic right. force or what would cancel out gravity? Okay, I see what you're saying. So it's it's difficult it's more difficult to theorize what the kind of pairing dark subclasses might be if we're approaching it from that kind of like physics standpoint. So so I guess the question is would there be a pairing? Right? Or or are or because 
the powers of light and the powers of dark are paracausal, do they all operate under their own governing dynamics? Like, you know, like if if arc is governed by electromagnetic force, if void is governed by gravitational force, if uh, solar is governed by nuclear force, if stasis is go- if does that mean that stasis is governed by entropy the removal of entropy being its own its own thing like not having an equal and opposite because it's paracausal but then like like what you're saying i guess i guess that wouldn't make sense because if if we think of everything with light and dark like you were saying having an, an equal and opposite it's the same thing like we talked about tonight with the with the black garden if the black garden is supposed to be like a plane of light that would be like the equal and opposite of the plane of dark that theoretically being the ascendant plane so i don't i don't know now i i i i like the idea of of each one being governed by its own thing just because that kind of helps explain the paracausality of it but then i also like the scientific approach where it's like well it's got to have an equal op- and opposite so if we look at that if if we look at that side of it then stasis does make sense to be the opposite of arc but only if we look at arc as not the electromagnetic spectrum but as a spectrum or or, or not the, not as the, the the electromagnetic force arc as a movement based uh uh subclass i guess yeah and i i think the fundamental or power difference in in how you can view these comes down to are you viewing them as mechanical opposites or are you viewing them as physical opposites um and i think what uh t-rex uh proposed are mechanical opposites um you know speed and slow pull and push life and death um okay and Life and death one is a little, that's a little stretchy for mechanics. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, solar being restoration and whatnot and poison being right. Right. Anti-restoration damage over time. Uh, (laughs) Anti-restoration. I like that. We're using that now. That's, that's the term now. Um, But from a a physical standpoint, and I, I will stasis is the only solid example we have because it's the only one that's in game we can sure. theorize the only yeah, one we can theorize all day long what the others might be uh i don't think it's it's accurate to say that the paracausal nature of our abilities um is governed by a fundamental force i think it's safe to say our, our paracausal abilities are governing a fundamental force uh, I I like it that second way because if it's the first way, then they're they're inherently not paracausal, right? Like it, they, if they if they are being governed by something, that is a cause and effect thing. The whole thing with paracausal is it just is. There there is no before or after. There it's par, paracausal is genuinely one of the hardest things to explain because we we don't really have a a way to explain it in in our known universe because our our entire known universe is a causal universe everything everything happens because something happened before it or something will happen after it and i i think it's important to recognize that paracausal as as we have seen it thus far in game 
doesn't mean that it's creating something new. It means it's creating something out of the materials that already exist in the universe that otherwise shouldn't be able to be created, if that makes sense. Okay. So then I guess in that sense, uh, because the electromagnetic spectrum already exists, is is our our brain is just interpreting how to use the light to manipulate that spectrum. Right. Same thing with rather than Yeah, same thing with void. I, I see void as the, the somewhat easier um one to wrap my head around. It is like gravity exists. Gravity is a known force sure. that has its own rules and does it, you know, has its own effects on observable effects on things. Our paracausal meters per second yeah, on our paracausal ability is what manipulates the existing force of gravity to do what we want it to do. So we're not, we're not literally okay. creating something new that pulls things in and, and crushes them in a black hole. That already exists. We're just using our paracausal abilities to make it happen in a way that it would never have happened naturally. Same same thing with like the with like the electromagnetic, right? Like for that one, we're just harnessing the the we're using the light to amplify and harness the electrons around us to cause to to have I can't say to cause because it's paracausal to enact in a way that appears to look like lightning yeah we're we're creating we're using the the particles and the the laws that already exist in the universe uh but we're making those laws and those particles um enact in an area and in a way that they would not have otherwise ever done okay so the the now explain solar. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> see, I I gravitate towards electromagnetic. Uh, what you're more familiar just with. because that's that's what yeah. I did, right? Like that's that's being an electronic engineer, working in electronics. My dad worked in electronics for years. Like that that's I I I have a very very high understanding of it, uh, of 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 how the electromagnetic spectrum works. Um, and and the forces of the electromagnetic spectrum work. Um, so yeah, I, I I it's it's like okay, here's here's a good example for for art. This is my last example, I okay. promise. Uh, so a magnet can be used to induce a current into a wire, and vice versa. You can run a current through a wire to produce a magnetic field. The two of those the 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 two fields are um, propagate 90 degrees opposite of each other, um, uh, 90 degrees perpendicular to each other, sorry, uh, in a, in a single direction. With arc, you're basically allow you're basically enabling one of those two to happen without the other one having to be there. You are either creating a, a current of electricity without a magnetic field being present or vice versa. You are using a magnetic field to slow something down 
without current needing to be present. I, I would argue you're not slowing something down with with arc or speed you up. are either speeding it up you could argue that's magnets and you're usually like the repulsion of poles uh, with magnets yep um or perfect example ionic traces and seeking wells because seeking wells are a, an arc mod. Oh, you're magnetizing things to yeah they are in that case there you go there it is electromagnetic spectrum boom we did it <laughs> we did it okay now so, solar Solar is a little harder, mostly because I do not have a very in-depth knowledge of nuclear physics. Um, but I'll go. I'll go call my brother real quick, and and we'll get my my father-in-law, and we'll tag team them, and be like, "Hey, go." So my very layman's understanding is that strong and weak nuclear forces uh, can be presented as either fusion or fission. Um. In both cases, you are generating a significant amount of heat from the reaction. Energy. energy. Not necessarily true, heat. True. Energy that is typically released as heat, I should say. Correct. Um, and so solar, in that instance, would be, uh, I guess, probably fusion reactions. Uh, you know, you're creating many suns. The sun is just a giant ball of fusion you know, fusion reactions happening, which is which is two which is which is two different atoms coming together to, to fusing together to create a new atom. Yes, because atoms atoms are an, an individual atom is defined by the number of protons, neutrons, electrons in it. Um, and so, if you have two different atoms that come together, you can't. Now, again, this is trying to explain paracausal abilities with the laws of our universe an atom can't be created or destroyed. Well, I guess it could be created. Energy cannot be created or destroyed. Fused too. Energy cannot be created or destroyed. But an atom, uh, because an atom is defined by the number of electrons, protons, and neutrons, as soon as you add another one in there, it becomes a new atom. So by, by fusing two atoms together, you have changed the number of electrons, neutrons, protons in it to create another element, therefore being fusion. Fission is the opposite of that. You are taking an atom, and you are you are taking a a higher level atom. Typically, the more uh, protons and electrons that it has in it, the easier it is to split. Which is why uranium is so volatile because it's so high up in the uh, periodic table. Uh, you are splitting it into two separate atoms. Yeah. So in, in either instance. Uh, and th this is this is me also kind of explaining why I think stasis might be the opposite to solar versus arc. Although I I definitely like the the mechanical uh, opposites that that T Rex proposes. Um, with with solar fusion uh, or or fission, I suppose. But in in either case, there's a change in the uh, molecular structure. That is causing this release of heat that that our guardian is using um, to to weaponize. Uh, that changing of a molecular structure is inherently increasing the entropy, the disorder of the molecules in a given area. If we assume okay. stasis, 
is the reduction of entropy, the reordering or, or increasing the organization of molecules in a localized area, um, therefore turning them solid, which we see as, as ice or interpret as ice. Right. Those two, that's kind of the, the, the opposite that, that I would propose is like one is decreasing, uh, the entropy is making things more organized. The other one is increasing entropy is making things more disorganized on a molecular level. Uh, the other reason that I think supports stasis and solar being opposites is that uh, the solar super well of radiance prevents you from being frozen by stasis. Ah. So even on a mechanical level, they are now opposites, uh, or they cancel. So they we've cancel now out. proven. So we've now shown how stasis can be equal and opposite of solar and equal to and opposite of arc. Now let's prove it with void. So that way we just say <laughs> that stasis is just fucky <laughs> well okay if grav if a gravitational oh, it, force it, is pulling something it in, does it does pulls the grenades used to pull stuff well i think that was um they don't anymore and i and they even cited that that, that was a void thing when they took it away from stasis grenades they, they said oopsies yeah. <laughs> we made up oopsies um now like so here's here you go Here's your example. Gravitational pulls oh, stuff in. Oh, shit. <laughs> pulls stuff in. Okay. So the opposite would be to push stuff out, which we see inherently okay. with Behemoth Titan's melee. And that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> we, see, that's science. science. Boom. Yeah. Suck it. We're not, we're not the best at this, but we're taking a fucking crack <laughs> at it. This is what we got. No, I, I, who knows? Who knows what the opposite nothing. of void would I got be? I'm, I'm not really sure. I, I, I do, I do like, I like both ideas, right? Like, I like the idea of the stasis subclasses being equal and opposite of the, uh, light subclasses because then that shows that, like, you know, one will cancel the other out if, if existing in the same space and time type thing. Like, that's, that's the whole thing with, with superpositioning theory. Um, but I also like the idea that, like, you know they're paracausal powers. They they all um, are governing, um, not being governed by um, different aspects of the laws of this universe. Because that's the only way that we as causal beings can interpret them. My. That's that's my oh, two yeah. cents. Now I I am excited to see what they do with future subclasses. I I do think there are going to be future dark based subclasses. Um, I think so too. I do struggle to think of what their utility is going to be from a gameplay standpoint. I I know that yep. a lot of people, um, similar to to what T Rex proposed, uh, like the idea of poison, mostly theming that off things like thorn. Uh, you know, having a poison aspect to it, um, Monarch, uh, Lemonarch having an as a poison aspect to it. Um, the problem I have there is from a mechanical standpoint, how is that different than Scorch at the right now? 
Right. Uh, like what what is what differentiates just a different it? flavor of damage over time. That's like, all and, it is. And at that point, why pick one over the other? Um, yeah. My personal views on solar warlocks aside, uh, if they both fulfill the same role, don't worry. We're we're all still <laughs> running void warlocks right now. Invisibility and devour might be the most OP thing in the game. But no, so from a mechanical standpoint, I truly don't know what the next subclasses are going to be. I I like the idea of psionic being something. Um, I can't envision what that Ooh, would something look like. sound based. Um, oh my god! Like if you did like a clap in front of that you, that would be interesting. And like it just did like a push or something, dude. That'd be another thing that could play. Now, if it is something completely different, right? Like if it doesn't have any type of equal and opposite, then that I think I think. I'm going to keep my theory going of that each one is is governing something different. Governing. Yep, I use the right word that time. Uh, is governing something different that we as uh, causal beings understand. We are we are using that power to channel it into something that we can use. That'd be a super cool one, That'd too. Cool. Like a... Like a you, you just like summon a guitar and just... <laughs> just blow everyone away. That'd be cool. You know and when they bring Wrath of the Machine back... You can truly Mad Max it all the way to the end of the I'm, bridge. I'm telling you, man. I think I think next season is Siva and and Rasputin and Wrath of the Machine. Everyone, everyone is so convinced it is Taken King. I think it is Wrath of the Machine. So I think you are probably right, but I want you to be wrong because That's I want fine. it to be. That's fine. I want it to be. Uh, a story revolving around Mercury and Saint Fourteen and Osiris, because that would be the season they bring my breach light back. I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. That's that's absolutely when breach light would come back. And and I, I, Osiris has just kind of been comatose for what three seasons yeah, it's, now. It's an unresolved story. Like I mean, we want to see the end. It's kind of sad that he's just. I went I went and visited his old his old spot in the tower, and there's like. There's a book near it that you can scan. It doesn't do anything. Like your ghost just comes out and scans it and then just goes right back into his nowhere land, your backpack. So well, sad. But. So oh, well. I say, I think that's a good spot to uh, cut ourselves off with this discussion. But thank you uh, for, for posing the, the questions because it is fun to talk about that, that kind of stuff. Um, I say for... Uh, if not incredibly confusing. No, not at all. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for any of those that aren't already aware, uh, if you want to leave a comment and uh, maybe get a shout out in the future as well, uh, you can either leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts or um, Audible, we discovered, has them as well. Uh, as a, yeah. Or you can reach out to us via Twitter uh, at myths and stories z instead of an s at the beginning of stories um and uh we i post whenever new episodes are going live there as well as you know you can send us questions or or uh or comments on what you liked about the show what you didn't all that fun stuff uh i will always welcome uh respectful criticism or comments there it is there it is we're not gonna. I'm not gonna extend this episode by another four hours by going over what the bullshit through Twitter has gone lately. All I'm gonna say is, don't be an asshole. Just 
be excellent to each other. Yes. Yes. All righty. Well, I'll give one. I, I haven't given a thank you out myself tonight. Uh, so my thank you is to Jolian. Uh, thank you for going along with Uldren to at least try to keep him sane. And I am sorry that you suffer from PTSD like a lot of us veterans do. It's okay. All right. It'll, it'll be okay. Just just remember, you have friends, Julian. There are other Awoken in the city. Just saying. Um, yeah. All righty. Well, then from all of us lore nerds, uh, to all of you guardians out there, we'll see you next week.